Howdy, howdy, my friends, and welcome to episode 12 of our Galatians series here on the Run of the Mills podcast. As we make our way through the book of Galatians, we are in chapter 2. And in the second chapter of Galatians, Paul has been talking about uh, the issue of those who were coming in um, and compelling the Gentile believers to be um, circumcised. The idea being that you had to become a Jew before you could become a Christian, because to be a Christian, you needed to uh, receive Jesus, who was the Jewish Messiah. So their logic was to receive the Jewish Messiah, you must be Jewish. To be Jewish, you must be circumcised. That was the thinking. And Paul is arguing against that, and he is also dealing kind of with this idea that um, of apostleship, that he is an apostle, and perhaps there were those coming to the Galatians saying, well, you know, Paul's not an apostle like Peter, James, and John, you know, et cetera, those who were there, who walked with Jesus, who um, who were there at his crucifixion and his resurrection. And so Paul has been kind of making his uh, his points are about his apostleship, pointing out his history, pointing out where he received his, uh, his gospel from, uh, etc. If you missed out on that, uh, go back and read the first chapter and the beginning of chapter two, or go back and listen to the previous episodes. I recommend doing both. Um, if you have to do just one, read the Bible. Whenever it comes down to choosing, what should I do, read the Bible or listen to Mike talk about the Bible, go with the Bible. You know, I was at a, a Bible study the other day at a, uh, a church I was visiting, and uh, it was interesting because we were sitting down, and I, I haven't been to previous um, meetings, so I don't know what was gone, what has gone on or what they typically do. But uh, I got a glimpse of uh, of their Bible study, and I don't mean to to uh, make like a judgment about their Bible study, but it reminded me of other Bible studies that I've been to, um, that I participated in, that I've read about, etc. So basically, what they were doing is they were looking at a study of a book of the Bible, and they were reading a Bible commentator's uh, lesson or thoughts as they went through it. Uh, but what they may have done, and I wasn't there at the beginning, so they, I, what they may have done is they may have read the passage at the beginning and then read the commentator's thoughts. That's, that's what I think would be a good way to do it. Another good way to do it would be to read it, discuss it, and then read the commentator's thoughts, right? Let the people in the room digest it, talk about it, think about it, and then read what the commentator has to say. And the problem is a lot of times what happens, and I'm not saying this is what happened in this meeting, but a lot of times what can happen is people just skip right to the commentator or they get like a daily bread uh, devotional. I don't know if you've seen those or not, a little daily devotional where you grab this little devotional and every day you read a different devotion that has to do with a scriptural topic. And then there's uh, a story or comments by a pastor or an author, whatever. The problem is, is when we skip to the comments, right? Rather than opening up God's word and reading it and looking um, to understand what it is that the Bible is saying and, and looking for the application of our own life, we skip right to the other person telling us what it says and what it means, or maybe just telling a story that is related somehow to that verse. You might not know if you don't read the verse. Sometimes you read the verse 
and the context of the verses and you read their story and you realize they're taking it completely out of context, which is why you want to read the verse. So anyway, all that to say, if you haven't been with me up to this point, you can catch up by reading the Bible even better than just listening to me. But if you're going to do both, hey, that's great too. I appreciate it. And hey, let's keep going here. We are on verse, oh, what were we? 11, verse 11. It says that Paul's talking about um, he, he, he was basically given the right hand of fellowship by uh, Peter, James, and John, uh, who were pillars in the church in Jerusalem, and uh, sent him out to reach the Gentiles. So now Paul says this. He says, now when Peter had come to Antioch, Antioch is kind of like Paul's home church. When Peter had come to Antioch, I withstood him to his face because he had or he was to be blamed. For before certain men came from James, he would eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing those who were of the circumcision. And the rest of the Jews also played the hypocrite with him, so that even Barnabas was carried away with their hypocrisy. All right, I'm, I'm going to talk about more about this um, next time, but, and maybe this time. We'll see. Um, but this is kind of an interesting thing, right? So Paul, Peter comes up to basically to Paul's church, and he's hanging out there with the Gentile believers in the church. Then when G certain Jews come up, who are come up from, uh, it says from James, who uh, that's James, the brother of Jesus, who uh, appeared to be the the leader in the church in Jerusalem. You read about that in the beginning of the book of Acts. And um, anyway, uh, he comes up, or he sends up Jews, and when those Jewish believers come up, Peter's behavior changes. He suddenly does not eat with the, the Gentiles anymore like he was previously. He's following more of the Jewish tradition of remaining separate from Gentiles. And the other Jews in the church followed his lead. So that even Barnabas, who's you know Paul's right hand guy, um, was carried away with his hypocrisy. Now, uh, this is kind of a tricky spot because you're if you read this, you're like, whoa, 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 this is gossip. This is gossip. Well, wait a minute, is it? Is it gossip? Is Paul sharing something he heard about someone, or is he sharing something that was spoken in secret? I think there's something bigger going on here, and I think that it's important that we understand this, that Paul talks, well, Paul talks about this in Timothy. Let's, let's look over at First um, Timothy chapter 5. And in First Timothy chapter 5, Paul is talking to Timothy, who's a young pastor, about um, elders or church leaders, right? And so in verse 17, he says, let the elders... Who rule, or let those who rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. For the scripture says, You shall not muzzle an ox while it is treading, uh, treading the grain, and the laborer is worthy of his wages. So Paul seems to be saying there, Hey, the leaders in the church who, who, who rule, and, and uh, not the idea of rule and not being like under an iron fist. Um, He's saying those who are in leadership, who labor in word and doctrine, like so, like pastor teachers, he's saying, pay them, pay them, you know, support them financially, support them. They're working for the church, support them. And he says, 
do not receive an accusation against an elder except from two or three witnesses. Now, this is kind of an Old Testament idea that you weren't supposed to accept uh, accusations, you know, for uh, for certain crimes, especially uh, with less than two witnesses. Uh, it wasn't just one man's word against another. You needed to have multiple witnesses. And so this is something that has happened in the church a lot. And because of a misunderstanding of what a witness might be, a lot of harm has happened within churches. A lot of pastors, a lot of elders have gotten away for years with wickedness, deviant behavior, abusive behavior, because no one wanted to say anything, because they didn't want to, depending on their their uh, church, church uh, affiliation, some traditions are you would never do that. You don't touch the Lord's anointed, which is really taking something out of context. But some people, they have that idea. Like you don't, you don't say anything negative ever about the pastor. You don't speak a word against him. He's the Lord's anointed. Um, look up the Lord's anointed in the old Testament and look what it's talking about when it says, you know, don't touch the Lord's anointed. But anyway, um, what was I talking about? Oh Yes leadership. So um, there are those that would, would say that. And there were others that maybe an accusation would come against a pastor that maybe a woman says this pastor did this or did that. And they would say, well, that's one. I can't accept this because it's one one person is saying it. Well, there are other types of witnesses, which I think are valuable, right? There's not just the eyewitness. There's also, I mean, we might say, Physical evidence could be a witness. There's other types of evidence that can be a witness. It doesn't just have to be three people witness something that happened in a room where two people were present. There can be other types of witnesses. You know, in modern days, we might say that there's DNA evidence. That's a witness against this person. No. So anyway, he goes on to say this, and this is kind of my point. He says, those who are sinning, rebuke in the presence of all, that the rest also may fear. Now, I'm going to read this again in uh, that last verse, and I'm going to read it in the NIV, because I had my Bible set at the NIV earlier, and I, I like what it said. He says, but those elders who are sinning, you are to reprove before everyone, so that others may take warning. So, Paul's point here to Timothy is if an elder is sinning, if a pastor is sinning, it's not something that is dealt with quietly in an elder board meeting. That may be where it is first um, discussed or the accusation might be brought up. But when it comes time to reprove the pastor, it's done in the presence of all. Recently, a well-known pastor uh, was uh, in the news because he himself went before his church and said, hey, I've been involved in an inappropriate relationship with a woman, and it was not a sexual uh, uh, relationship, but it was just um, coarse jesting, you might say. Like, they're, apparently they had some uh, a friendship that was just maybe a little out of line here and there. I don't know the details, but I appreciated that the guy got up before his congregation and made a statement because not enough churches do this. They hide it away. They want to they wanna protect people. They want to protect the pastor. They want to protect the pastor's wife. They want to protect the pastor's family. They want to protect the elder's wife. They want to protect the elder's family. No, no, you, you protect the victims. The elder's wife and family, 
that's collateral damage caused by his sin. We, you see, you don't protect him from his sin. You know, you might, you'll protect the victim. So if he's doing something, yeah, you get up in the presence of all and you say, look, this, this has been going on and this is wrong. I've been in churches where honestly, this should have happened. Where an elder should have been brought before the church and it should have been said, this elder behaves this way and you don't see it because he puts on a show, but it's not okay. It's wrong. Our hope is that he will repent and return and, you know, accept this rebuke. And the hope would be that the pastor or the elder, whoever it was, would come and say, yes, I've done these things, you know. But the problem is when the pastor gets away with it, when the pastor continues to do it, when the elder continues to do it, what happens? Well, I'll tell you what happens. It says, even Barnabas was carried away by his hypocrisy. You see, here's the thing about being a leader. When you lead, people follow. And when you are a leader in the church and people are following and you are leading them the wrong way, there needs to be a public rebuke so that people know, no, that's not the way. That leader's been leading the wrong way. That's uncomfortable. We don't like it, but it's what needs to be done. And that's what Paul does. He practices what he preaches. When you're a public teacher teaching publicly and you teach publicly false, then publicly you get to either say, I taught publicly false, or you get called out publicly. It's for the safety of the people. It's for the safety of those who heard, not for the safety and protection of the leader. God bless you. Talk to you next time.